good morning. It is good to be with you. Um, uh, before I begin, I actually want to um, have somebody come up here and um, talk to you a little bit. Uh, I'm introducing uh, a segment uh, into our service, and it's, no, Asher, it's not you, sorry. <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> Give it a few years. Uh, <laughs> that was sweet. Uh, it, it's a segment I'm calling, Can I Get a Witness? Uh, the, uh, the last number of months, uh, if you recall, we were doing a series uh, called the Encouraging Word series, remember? And, and you all sent me a bunch of passages, and, and then uh, I hoodwinked a few of you to come on up and, uh, and give a testimony about like, what that passage meant to you. Um, I got a lot of really great feedback uh, about that, uh, and uh, I know me personally, as much as uh, throughout my life, uh, I've always enjoyed hearing the pastor speak, <laughs> uh, I also always really enjoy hearing uh, others in the congregation have opportunity um, to witness to what God has done uh, in their life at, at various points. Uh, so here's what, what we're doing. Uh, we're not going to do this every week. Um, but if at some point uh, you think, you know, I've got a story to tell or something I'd like to tell, um, by all means, come and see me, email me, call me, however you want to reach out to me. Uh, we can do it any number of ways. If you want to do it live, as uh, Derek is, is about to do for us, uh, wonderful. Uh, we also have uh, video capacity uh, to, to show a video. Uh, we can do this in a variety of ways. If you want to write a poem, and I'll read it for you. I, however uh, creative you want to be, uh, I'm happy to indulge uh, the creativity as well. Um, before, one last thing to say. Uh, how this got started this week is on Wednesday, uh, we had a wonderful time together. Uh, those of you who came, uh, there was a pretty good number of us, in fact, and it was the first time we did the third Wednesday of the month, and uh, we, we had a theme for the night, which was uh, encountering God. Uh, and then afterward, uh, well, I guess during it, we, we told stories of times we've encountered God in our lives. Uh, and a few people came up to me afterward who didn't get a chance to speak, because we could have gone for probably two hours, three hours. I, I think we could have gone uh, a long time. And um, so one person who came up to me uh, was Derek Davis. Uh, and he mentioned that uh, there have been a few points in his life uh, where God has uh, encountered him uh, and it has left him changed. And so I asked him uh, to come up this morning uh, and to give us uh, one of those encounters. Derek. Thank you, Rick. Um, as Eric said, he, uh, He asked for us to, to think about some times that, that we encountered God. I didn't say we videoed this. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I had actually written down several. And uh, one of the things that Beth and I talk about is spiritual mile markers. You know, those, those, you know, those stones along Skyline Drive for, for mile markers. Uh, the Israelites set up stacks of stones. Yeah, that marked experiences that they had. Um, so I've got several of those, and, 
and jotted down several and could have elaborated on uh, sitting in a, in a pew with, with my parents as a young boy when God called me. Uh, as a, a few years later as a youth, uh, when God truly transformed my life at a, at a youth camp um, and convinced me that I needed to be all in for him. Uh, a few years later, when I met this, this young lady, uh, and God said, this is the one for you. <laughs> so, um, and not too long after that, um, the same young lady and I were driving down uh, Pohick Road before there was a Fairfax County Parkway and saw a sign for South Run Baptist Church meeting in Newington Forest Elementary. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to address any of those. Um, I'm going to address uh, something that happened about 23 years ago. Uh, and many of you have heard me tell, tell this story, so apologies there. But uh, uh, the ripe old age of, of 33, uh, we were at Vandenberg Air Force Base, and I was diagnosed with colon cancer, a really big, ugly tumor that the doctor had to, took about seven hours to get out of me, and uh, then uh, told, told my wife I was a goner. Uh, had to, in his 30 or 40 years of surgical experience, uh, I was pretty sure this was stage four cancer, and uh, so Beth could, to tell you lots of her experiences of the, the, those next three days uh, with a, thinking about a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a 20-month-old and what, what life might look like then. Obviously, God, God had different plans. Uh, it it wasn't, wasn't that. Uh, followed that up with eight months of, of chemotherapy, uh, which Mary can, cannot imagine, <laughs> uh, but experiencing chemo at, at, as a young, <laughs> young guy uh, wasn't, wasn't all that fun either. But, but we're talking about God experiences. So, so that aside, there were a lot of things that when I went back through uh, some of my journaling, Eric mentioned some journaling that he did, uh, on Wednesday night, uh, went through some some Bible verses, some experiences. You know, many there are quite a few people in here that actually remember that story because you were praying for me right here at South Run, Gary, Cheryl, and quite a few others uh, 23 years ago. A lot of things that 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 God showed me, and the reason why it's a not just one mile marker, but a, a whole series. Uh, the importance of having good, good friends and a church family and, and how important those were. Uh, we, were uh, we were worshiping on, at, at Vandenberg in the chapel and in a military chapel setting in a small base like Vandenberg Air Force Base, now Vandenberg Space Force Base. There was, of course, the liturgical service, the gospel service, and the contemporary service, and uh, it was up to the chaplains to try and get, get those, those groups together. But um, 
we were going through some, some tough times, and it was amazing what God did in working uh, through those three different groups of people in, in one purpose for Christ. Uh, Beth can tell you about some ladies from the gospel service who prayed over her. I had a chance to, to gather some men uh, from three different services who never interacted or worshiped together, but, but we went down and, and met uh, at a men's uh, Promise Keepers conference. So uh, many, many different things. And as I, as I walked through, through my journaling, looked through some verses that, that impacted me, Starting with, in the beginning was the word. With God, all things are possible for Matthew. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds from James. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In Matthew chapter 6. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Philippians chapter 4. But they shall wait upon the Lord and shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. In Isaiah. So I encourage you, take, take a look at where you are. Uh, take a look at where you've been, where God has take, taken you. What are those spiritual mile, mile markers in your life? Where has God showed you some, some things that maybe you didn't like in the past? You may even like green eggs and ham. Thank you. Let's continue with a word of prayer. <clears throat> God, our Heavenly Father, who loves us deeply, so much that you sent your only Son that he might die on our behalf and pour out the Holy Spirit upon us. Lord, we have felt your spirit in this place this morning and we ask that you continue to work through the spirit in our hearts, that today we might be moved by you and changed by you and transformed more into your image. Lord, we give thanks, we give honor, we give praise, we give glory to you and you alone. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, before we get into the passage for the day, <clears throat> uh, I want to just kind of continue what we've uh, been, what we've started with here and, and ask you, the person in the pew, uh, the pointed question, have you encountered God in some way, say, some shape, some form? What we're going to talk about today is Paul's encounter with Jesus uh, on that road to Damascus. But I would ask, do you have something, maybe it's not like uh, this awe-inspiring vision uh, and an audible voice shouting at you, uh, you know, Sam, Sam, why are you persecuting me? Uh, maybe it's not that. But have you encountered God in some way? As you look past uh, like however many years of life you've, you've been walking with God, what has that looked like for you? How has that shaped you, changed you? 
On Wednesday, I shared a story. I'm not going to share it this morning. Uh, you missed it, if you missed it. <laughs> no. Uh, the 30-second version is simply that um, I, have, I have had actually a, a number of encounters. I was encouraged uh, a, a few weeks ago uh, to recall them and, um, and then uh, to set a, a verse uh, or a scripture aside uh, those memories. And uh, I did. It was a powerful experience for me, uh, but, but one that I shared on Wednesday uh, had to do with uh, something that happened right before I came here. Uh, and it, was, uh, th- it became this anchor point for me uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, and it's something that I have returned to time and again uh, for clarity, for guidance, uh, to remember, oh, this is the path you're on. Uh, namely, it, it, it was a word from God uh, in, in the way that God speaks to me uh, that, yeah, you, you were meant to uh, read and discern uh, God's word. You've been trained to do this. You have a joy for this. It's within you. And even in the darkest of times, that still is there. Now, I don't know what anchor points you have in your life, uh, but uh, as uh, Derek shared, uh, we all have these mile markers, right? And it's worth taking time to remember them and to kind of stop and, and, and write them down. And to go over them and to recite them with your friends and, and with your family. And especially because when the dark times hit and, and the clouds descend and, and it's suddenly hard to, to find one's way through the world, you can be reminded that God has moved in the past. And the darkness that sits now, it will lift someday. And there will be a path forward. Paul encounters uh, Jesus uh, quite dramatically uh, on the road to Damascus. Most of us are familiar with the story. It it shows up actually three times in the book of Acts, Acts 9, I want to say 22 and 26. Um, Most people just turn to Acts 9 and and, and find it there. Uh, But it sort of shows up uh, in our passage from Galatians 1, 11 to 24 today. Um, before we get into our passage today, though, I kind of want to actually start with maybe the pre-Paul, uh, like the Paul before this experience, so that we don't rush to judgment as to what's really happening or, or who he was and then who he became. And I think it's worth just kind of slowing down and asking ourselves, well, who was Paul the boy? Right? What was, what was he like as a kid? And of course, we don't know all these answers, right? But we know a few things. We know, for example, that he grew up in the uh, large city of Tarsus, the metropolitan area. It's in uh, Asia Minor. And so when he goes on his journeys and, uh, and he begins to uh, uh, be the apostle to the Gentiles and he, he starts traveling the world, it's possible he's been to some of these places before. More than likely, he's, he's educated in a way that he, he knows uh, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, maybe even Latin. This is kind of the place he lives in. When we read his letters, 
it's worth just simply saying they're all written in Greek, right? These are, these are Jewish letters in a way, but they're also written in a way that uh, clearly indicates he has had some education. He, he's not the fisherman that Peter was. He's been educated in a different kind of way. And then we know, too, that he, he studied under Gamaliel, who is a, a very famous rabbi uh, in Jerusalem. And so his parents probably had some means, and they sent him down. They sent him off to boarding school, essentially, right? And they sent him down to Jerusalem, where he sat at the feet of one of the most famous uh, rabbis in the whole world. And he was being trained himself to probably be a rabbi someday. And uh, Paul clearly says that he himself was, was just uh, adamant. He was passionate about studying God's word and keeping what he calls the traditions of his fathers, right? And he, he's a man who is clearly, clearly religious. Before we get into our passage, there is another book that I, I want to turn us to first in which he gives another kind of biographic, biographical uh, account of his own life. And this is in the book of Philippians. So if you're in Galatians right now, just, you know, Colossians and, and then Philippians, right? Oh, no, sorry. Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians. Go eat popcorn. Jennifer taught me. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right? So turn to Philippians, and in chapter 3, we get this lovely account of Paul talking about what he says is his former life. Starting at the beginning, he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the, the flesh. And here, it, it's... I mean, what he's saying is... Look out for those people who also seem to have corrupted the Galatians, right? This, he's talking about the same kinds of people, right? So verse 3, for we are the circumcision, and here he's saying the we is not the, we Jews are the circumcision. He's saying uh, those who are in Christ are the circumcision, including you Gentiles, right? Which is not... Uh, at all, uh, how the Old Testament would have been read by certainly Jews in his day. And so he says, we, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And here the flesh and the confidence is simply in his own uh, Jewishness, in, in keeping the Torah, in keeping the laws. And then we finally get to the part where he describes his own life. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I've got more. And here he describes his youth. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Which is another way of saying, my parents cared so much about our religious history, that they know exactly what tribe we are all from. 
from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. Did you know this? Paul was a Pharisee, right? Paul was a Pharisee, which uh, simply means uh, that he took the law with utmost seriousness. All 613 of them sitting in your Old Testament, he, he wanted to keep all of them and more. <laughs> because if those weren't enough, what the Pharisees did was they, they had those laws and then they put a fence around the law by, by adding some more laws to make sure you don't break the 613 that are sitting in there, right? And so he's a Pharisee and he's very adamant about keeping the whole law. And so he says, as to zeal, this is a key word that shows up again in, in Galatians, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. That's how serious I was. That's how passionate I was about the law. And you might be thinking right now, like, well, that makes no sense. Why this mattered to Paul, why this demonstrates his zealousness, is because most Jews back then believed that the church, well, that they were blaspheming the name of God. And Leviticus makes clear what you should do to a blasphemer. You should stone this person. And so the Jews said, well, they are blaspheming. Therefore, the church should be persecuted. And Paul is here saying, yeah, that was me, right? I was so zealous. I was so serious about keeping every single one of those laws, all 613, even the random one in Leviticus that says you should stone the, the blasphemer, that's the one I was trying to keep too. And then he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law. The ability for me to be righteous according to the law, he says, I did everything I possibly could, and therefore I was blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things." I'm jumping the gun a bit, but when Paul moves from a persecutor of the church and somebody who's so passionate about the law and fits in quite well with the community in which he lives, he moves from that to somebody who is now part of the church, is leading it, what do you think happens to him? Do you think all of his old friends stick with him and, and his family is like, hey, you just do you, Paul? <laughs> no, I'm 100% certain he loses all of his friends, all of his family disown him. He is excommunicated from his communities. The people who once loved him now wonder what happened to that guy. But more than that, he loses other things as well. He loses the identity he once had, right? He loses, uh, who knows, a career path, right? He was well on his way to becoming uh, the next Gamaliel. Who knows? 
He loses his resume. He loses all of the things he had built in his life to that point. And then he says, his words here, I count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What you have here in this passage is the same thing we have in Galatians 1, It's the same thing we see in the book of Acts, and that is there are two Pauls, right? There's Paul pre-Damascus Road, and there's Paul post-Damascus Road. And the one thing that sits in between that is his experience with God. He comes back to this time and again. It shapes who he is, who he becomes, And as I started, you may not have a Damascus Road experience, and you don't need to, at least not one as profound and dramatic as Paul had. But I assure you, you have some moment or moments in your life where God has at least been trying to experience you, even if you've not been experiencing him back. So when I think of Paul before the Damascus Road experience, I think of a pretty honest kid who's trying his best to be as religious as he possibly can and doing all the, quote, right things and studying as hard as he can. He memorizes lots of scripture because he turns out, he turns, it turns out he quotes it in most of his letters, Right? He's, he's probably that kid uh, uh, in Sunday school who always has the answer right away. He's, he's that one. And he's the, uh, the, the person at Awana uh, who uh, wins the sword drills uh, constantly, right? He's that one. And he's the one who uh, is just so on fire for God that it turns out he's willing to do anything. And we mean anything. And that becomes his undoing, in a way. But it also becomes this passion, becomes something that God is capable of using and turning to God's glory, right? So, uh, if you were to read the Acts 26 version of the, uh, the Damascus Road experience, It's not only that Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, why are you kicking against the goads? Do you know what this word means? Goads? The goads? Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, It's uh, it's an ancient uh, term, although you you can get the idea. Uh, So when you were plowing your fields, you might have oxen in the field. Now, um, it's kind of hard to keep them uh, on the, the, the straight path, right? Uh, so you might put two of them together, and then, uh, then they're plowing relatively straight. Uh, however, once they get to the end of the field, they need 
to turn, right? And so you might have a, a one guy, maybe two guys, maybe three or four uh, with these long sticks, and they kind of jab at the oxen. And by jabbing at it, uh, the oxen then begin to, to turn, and then they go the right direction, right? What Jesus is saying to Paul is, Paul, I appreciate your passion. <laughs> uh, however, I'm trying to get you to move in the opposite direction. I want to take your passion for the word. I want to take your passion for uh, all things uh, religious. I want to take your passion for me. And I want to use it for good. Because right now you don't realize it, Paul, but you are persecuting the very one you think you're trying to serve. And in this moment, he has kind of this, this aha moment where everything in his life needs to be reconsidered. Let's turn to Galatians. Let's read together our passage. And we'll find that Paul uses this experience on the Damascus Road uh, in a variety of ways. So he says this, he says, uh, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. This is what we've been talking about to this point. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. There it was, right? He's zealous, he's passionate about these traditions, about, it, he would say, the law, about keeping his faith, his religion. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to, in key phrase here, reveal his son to me. When Jesus is finally revealed to him and his eyes are open to the reality of the universe, he says, uh, uh, when this happens, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me. I went to Arabia, and then I returned to Damascus. What is he doing in Arabia? I've got no clue. Nobody does. <laughs> Some wonder, because uh, later on he's going to say it, uh, this, uh, he says, is the site uh, of Mount Sinai. And so it's possible he's returning to uh, what he believes to be Mount Sinai, and he's seeking, like, what do we do with the law then? Which is a huge question in the book of Galatians. What, what do we do with the law? Right. And maybe he finds answers there. At the very least, I'm sure he finds God there. And then he returns to Damascus, the place where he had the vision. 
And then after three years, he goes to Jerusalem, he visits Peter, he remains there 15 days, he sees no one else except James, uh, and he says, I'm not lying, I promise you, uh, and then I went to the, regi- the regions of Syria, to Cilicia, and it was still unknown, uh, I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And you can imagine how hard or strange or uh, unnerving even, uh, name the emotion here, that must have been to early Christians. This guy who once was literally dragging people out uh, to be stoned to death, right? This is what happens to Stephen. And now, now he's preaching this gospel. Can we trust him? Is he an undercover agent? Is he uh, trying to sneak his way into the churches? What, what's he doing? But the guy who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Have you encountered God in your life? It's a somewhat simple question. And we all have to answer it in our own ways. Uh, I've encountered God in a few ways at a few very important periods in my life. Like Derek, I've got these milestones, right? When I, we actually just this uh, week uh, had uh, an interview uh, <laughs> that we did with, uh, for uh, an intern position. And one of the questions we, I like to ask is, tell me about your spiritual journey. Because my assumption is that uh, your, your faith, your coming to faith, whether that is through baptism or, or through some sort of confession or both, uh, preferably, um, that's just the beginning of it all, right? A faith journey then has other road markers. In just a few moments, we're going to uh, sing the song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, right? And in it, the second line says, here I raise my Ebenezer. And if, if you don't know what the Ebenezer is, here's my pitch for it. It's, it's simply the road marker, right? I raise my, my memory stone. I, I, I put it up there and I say, I remember God. I remember the time you did this work in my life and I give you thanks for it. And I give you praise for it. And in times when I'm doubting, or in times when I'm questioning, or in times when I'm wondering what's the right way to go, I come back to the memory stone, to the Ebenezer, and I say, okay, I have, I have this, right? Have you encountered God in your life? Now, maybe your answer is no. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't know that I really have. Again, I would say to you that God has been trying to encounter you all along. And he's just waiting for the moment for you to open your heart to him and to open your eyes to him. My prayer, if that's you, be that today be the day. If you have opened your heart to him and you're still thinking like, I don't know, I, maybe I haven't had an encounter with God. Again, I might say, it's possible you have. 
But do remember this much. God often speaks in the still and the small voices, right? And so on Wednesday, when we gathered together, I intentionally started our group uh, with a song uh, that is based on uh, Psalm 4610, Be Still and Know That I Am God, right? And if your life is in a habit of constantly rushing and going and here and there, my encouragement this week is to find some time to be still, to slow down. Maybe even like just five minutes every day of this week. Say to yourself, I'm going to take five minutes where I'm just completely quiet, I'm completely silent, and I'm opening my heart to God in this moment. And trust that God will meet you in those moments or in at least one of those moments. If he does, I'd love to hear that story. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the ways that you reveal yourself to us both powerfully and in that still small voice. God, we need them all. May we be Christians who open ourselves up to you, that seek your guidance and your leading. God, we thank you for the goodness that is the fountain of blessing that you pour out to us on a routine basis. May we have eyes to see it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing one final song.